today's Ask Nick Co. Show, we have Arlene. Arlene, introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Arlene. I am a bartender. I also do pickup with my boyfriend, and we're gonna have some fun tonight. So Arlene's our today's a game show host and bartender. And also she works with RSD. So uh, let's uh, do an interview. And also, what do we have in front of us today? Basically, you're gonna pick your poison. <laughs> I get to pick, huh? Okay. <laughs> well, I'm gonna make some things for you, but this is our menu for today. And before we do the questions, we're gonna actually gonna pre-game. Okay, what's this? This, I just made it up. So we're just gonna uh -oh. rock and roll to this. Well, actually, cheers. cheers, surprises. <laughs> It's pretty smooth. Thank you. Considering I haven't eaten anything today, I don't know if this is the best idea, but. Oh, I'm on the same boat. <laughs> All right, cool. All right, well, let, let, I guess you have a bunch of questions you prepared. Yeah. And um, my team told me that some of them are pretty tough, so I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> All right, so first question. Okay. I remember you saying in another video that you met your wife walking down the street. What I want to know is how did you pick her up? <laughs> So um, she was walking down the street towards me and some other guys were trying to pick her up. Now my friends were going inside a bar that I was standing in front of that looked really sketchy and I was like, go inside there, tell me if it's good. I doubt it, and then come out. Now they eventually came out, but while I was waiting, I saw my wife walking down the street and I walked up to her because I thought, you know what, if I have to wait here, I might as well talk to her. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, these guys were trying to pick her up, so I just walked up to her and I said, Hey, what's up? I see you're walking this way towards this bar. It, it's, it looks like it's toy dead right now. You don't want to go to this bar right now. I'm visiting from California. Instead, you go into this bar, I'm going to go grab some sushi. And I would love to have you talk to me tonight. Tell me about some of the cool things I could do tonight. And then we just started a conversation. And um, I basically just had the um, girls face me. She was with her friend, who actually ended up becoming uh, her uh, maid of honor. And. Um, you know, but as soon as I got into the conversation with these two girls, the other guys just decided to walk away from me and the girls. And so as a result of that, um, I was able to get her to come to sushi with me. My friends came outside. I said, hey guys, let's go grab some sushi at the sushi bar down the street mm -hmm. and then have some sake. They said, sure. And we all went down there. And uh, yeah, we ended up going to a concert that night. We ended up uh, talking about our favorite video games. We had uh, dinner together. It was all like, toy, toy random, uh, late afternoon meet. Wow, cool. <laughs> nice. Okay. Uh, second question. So, from what I noticed, your relationship with your wife is pretty awesome. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I, just, I love it. So, how do you guys motivate each other without hurting each other's feelings? Okay. Well, I guess um, what it sounds like what you're asking is sometimes people in their relationship mm -hmm. will push the other person, and it sounds like criticism. Um, and uh, yeah, that's definitely a fine line because sometimes I'll push my wife and she'll feel like it is criticism. Um, at the same time, my wife has her own goals. She wants to create her own company, make it really successful. In the past, I've been involved with uh, helping her create a company called Smart Money Club, where she was you know, getting it marketed. She was able to make 60 to 100,000 a year off that. And, I gave her um, an office, computers, and she had a three-person staff for a company called LaVodka. And um, she had a $10,000 a month budget and a team of PhDs in writing dating advice for women. And then when she came out here, she said, decided she wanted to create a business that had me not involved in any way whatsoever. So she created a video production company and started getting corporate clients, paying thousands of dollars for commercials. 
Um, and uh, I think that's great. She's getting involved with uh, influencer management. And in the future, she wants to uh, help me out on a project that I'm working on to create an RSD TV show. That's awesome. Like a scripted TV series like you would see in, say, Silicon Valley or Entourage. That's so cool. Yeah. So I noticed as well that you're, you're a big gamer. Have you ever been to Comic-Con, though? I've been to a Las Vegas Comic-Con, but not the San Diego Comic-Con. I've uh, had friends gone there. I've uh, gotten a hotel for Comic-Con and uh, was going to go down there. And then I ended up canceling and just had my friends take over the hotel. Um, I have uh, dressed up like Link and gone to many comic festivals. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> okay. In fact, if you go to my uh, YouTube channel and look at the 360 video playlist, you could see a video of me dressed up like Link walking around the Las Vegas Comic Con. Really? Yeah. I, I'm going to look that up. <laughs> okay. You have to turn the camera around because I'm facing it at the comics. But if you turn it around, you'll see me just move your fingers around 360. Okay, number four. If you had to choose between DC or Marvel, what would you choose? Ha, <laughs> that's an easy one for me. Now, I grew up with DC because my uncle was a publicist for Warner Brothers, which also makes him uh, publicist for DC, since they're partnered together. And as a result, I got a ton of DC comic books. Um, however, I didn't really get into the DC comic books like I did as soon as I got Silver Surfer, which is my favorite comic book. And then Stan Lee came to town and signed uh, uh, art that he made on Silver Surfer just for me. And I thought that was really cool. I made it in front of my parents, like in real time, like super fast. Oh, wow. And so I still have that frame today. And after that, I became a huge fan of Marvel. And I love uh, how they innovated and made the movies that we see in the Avengers sequence. And they're yeah. my favorite movies today. Yeah, I like those movies too. <laughs> okay. Um, what qualities do you look for in the people you hang out with? People with a positive attitude is most important. Uh, people who I can trust or are loyal. Um, I, I hang out with pretty much every kind of person. A lot of my friends are gamers, as you know. You know, um, other people I'll play golf with. Just nice people that like playing golf with me. Um, I'll hang out with a lot of you know, the business people for networking purposes, uh, especially people I can leverage for business, um, you know, but I prefer to spend my time with uh, just down-to-earth good friends uh, that are laid back and chill. Um, I, I do have a lot of my time spent actively networking with uh, really successful CEOs uh, and people that can inspire my ideas for business or introduce me to powerful People, like uh, right now, I've been networking a lot with people who are police officers, judges, attorneys, uh, CEOs, um, a lot of the local celebrities and politicians. And um, I think a lot of that is because I'm really trying to make my feet deep into the Las Vegas community. Uh, I also created a, a Las Vegas Relief Fund for RSD Las Vegas Relief Fund. And I'm gonna be putting that money towards uh, Clark County and the victims. Um, I joined the uh, Las Vegas Metropolitan Police uh, Board for the Citizen Reviews Board. And I'm most likely going to join their Use of Force Board uh, and the Nevada Bar Association Boards and get involved with a lot of the community boards so I could have a lot more interaction uh, because a lot of the challenges I face now are in law. Like I've had people who st have stolen hundreds of thousands of dollars with me, from me and even recently and I've had to terminate them. I've also had uh, people who've stolen uh, my wife's uh, diamond wedding anniversary ring and, and I have to prosecute them. And uh, I'm even having dinner with the district attorney in a week or two um, to uh, 
talk about these things and also support the uh, Las Vegas community as a fundraiser, as a co-host for a large party featuring uh, Stevie Oki. Um, but a lot of this networking is actually work. It's not just like me hanging out with friends, whereas opposed to me hanging out with friends, I prefer just to grab a meal, uh, hang out, have drinks, watch some TV, play some video games, maybe some golf, chill. Yeah. yeah. But I'll hang out with everyone. Uh, I'm very open-minded. If, if I have my handyman over, I'll invite him over for dinner. <laughs> nice, okay. So I think it's time for a drink. So I'm gonna make you another one. Is that how this works? Okay. Yes. <laughs> So this one's called the woohoo shot. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it's pretty fun. It's also very smooth. You know, it's, it's like eating a popsicle or ice cream. It's, yeah. You don't even feel the alcohol. Well, that's my secret. You can't taste it, but <laughs> the alcohol's in there. <laughs> right after this, I'm meeting with um, some new attorneys uh, that are potentially uh, new uh, friends of um, a guy who was uh, really active in uh, supporting the local politicians. So uh, I'm meeting with him in about 45 minutes. Oh. So which will be interesting <laughs> because uh, you know, he's introducing me to like the congressmen, senators, uh, Al Gore, Obama, and the oh, wow. U U.S. Uh, Attorney General. And uh, I'm gonna be able to meet him. I'll, I'll, maybe I'll just put my sunglasses on. Yeah, you know? <laughs> you're gonna be but, pretty, uh, yeah, pretty this, happy. This be interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're good friends though, so it's all good. You should be fine. <laughs> okay, how do you keep your feelings from clouding your dis decision making? How do I keep my feelings from clouding my decision making? I consider myself a pretty logical person. Um, you know, when I communicate with people, my emotions will always come out, whether I'm angry or happy or just having a good time. Um, however, at the end of the day, my, my decisions have always been uh, logical. My challenge is not necessarily the logicalness of my decision making, it's usually how I communicate my decisions or my ideas and doing it in a way that makes people feel respected, trusted, and um, I think that a lot of the times I basically will just say exactly what's on my mind. I mean, that's also another reason why I'm willing to do interviews and drink. Yes. <laughs> because drinking will lower your inhibitions and you'll just say exactly what's on your mind. I'm willing to do that though, because that's how I communicate with the world in general. Um, I try not to hide anything. I try to just be an open book, like what Roosevelt says, you know. Uh, I try to do everything that you do so that um, if anything was published in a newspaper, you wouldn't have any problems with that. All right, cool. What is your favorite drink? My favorite drink is usually Cabernet Sauvignon. I like having just a nice glass of red wine with dinner. Um, I'll have a glass once a day for the most part, at least for the last you know, few months I've been doing that. Like uh, there was a long time where I didn't drink anything. Um, 
I like having good quality wine from Napa Valley, especially the Napa Sonoma region. Uh, my favorite is this um, this group called uh, Chateau Montalena. Uh, it has a beautiful Asian garden, and uh, it's a place that my wife and I have been to. It had a wine cheese uh, tasting there. So that's the, actually the only wine club that I'm a part of. Do you like the sweet or the like? It's just not sweet. I do like sweet Riesling from Germany. Um, I love wine. My wife and I went to uh, a Fleming's Steakhouse wine tasting where they had 16 wines and they would choose three of them. And we have to tell what the wines were made out of. Like was it cherry or raspberry or blueberry, grapes, combinations. And if you could guess all three of them, you will get a free steak dinner. And we both won the contest. Of course you did. <laughs> yeah. So we're really into wine. Nice, nice, okay. When was the last time you got drunk? Uh, well, I went to a wine festival last weekend. I don't know if I was really drunk, um, but I did have many glasses of wine. I think my tolerance has gone up a lot. You know, when I was 18, um, I was partying hard. I was drinking almost every day of the week. And that's also the reason why I joined the Air Force, to get my life put together. <laughs> uh, nowadays, my tolerance is much higher, so I can drink a lot more. Um, but I, I drink uh, a glass of wine almost every day, so I'll get at least buzzed a, a little bit. But I'm crazy drunk. The last time I remember being really drunk was I went to Del Frisco Steakhouse, and there was a wine tasting. There was a six-hour steak and wine tasting. So you have a new, new steak bites and new wine every uh, like 10, 15 minutes for six hours. For six hours? Yeah. Wow, that's a, a lot. lot of steak, <laughs> a lot of wine. And I was suffering at the end of that one. Uh, hard breathing, uh, feeling really bad. Um, that was in 2012. Uh, since then, yeah, I've kind of learned my limits, but yeah. that was pretty intense, that was a lot. The, the biggest tasting I ever took part of was a 20-course tasting meal with wine pairings in Sydney. Um, but I lasted about an, an hour of this three to four hour experience. Um, and even though it was uh, less time, uh, it was a lot more food and a lot more wine. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. and that was in 2009. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. How do you show others that you believe in them? Well, uh, in terms of uh, Personal relationships, I just invest my time in people I believe in. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of uh, business, I'll give people more responsibilities and roles, knowing that they have the potential to do it. Um, in terms of my, uh, myself and uh, the people I, I work with closely, it's usually I'll just delegate them stuff. And if I don't delegate them stuff, it's because I don't believe in them. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> How did you learn to embrace failure? So, I mean, when I look at failure and I tell my wife and my friends and their wives all the time that failure is really just a reference experience that you can look at and learn from. It's just like the same as pickup, the concept that's kind of beat dead by Tyler, where you go to the field and if you get rejected and you don't get the outcome you want, you still look at like a scientist who just had a hypothesis and you have a success because you found the conclusion of that hypothesis. And that's how you have to look at any kind of failure. And uh, it's a mindset, it takes a long time, a long time to have ingrained in you. You can say that, but actually believe it deep down, that could take at least 10 years to really fully ingrain 
Uh, I have that because I've been thinking about that every time I get a failure. I look at every failure as a challenge, every uh, attack as an opportunity. Um, for example, when people send me uh, like uh, a legal threat or um, some kind of a notice, I look at it like a Christmas present. <laughs> uh, or if I see like uh, money that was stolen from me, I look at it as an opportunity to prove to myself that I could build a savings. Because uh, even though it wasn't money I saved, it's money that if I did save, I would have uh, had a lot of extra money. Uh, and uh, even um, as early as today, I discovered that uh, as well. You know, I had a, a bank that took a bunch of money from our account secretly. And I discovered several hundred thousand dollars taken. And uh, Owen, his first response when I told him about this was, well, that's actually a good thing in some ways because it just shows that we're really good at saving money because <laughs> uh, we, didn't, we didn't spend that money. Yeah. Now I'm going to get that money because I now found out where it's at. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Okay. So it's, it's, I think it's a lot of it's reframing. Reframing. Yeah. All right. Good to know. Okay. It's drink time. All right. This is called a highball. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> a lot of shots. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. So in the last, um, since last year, last year I was like around 220, now I'm 150. So that's 70 pounds lighter than last year. Yeah. And now we're doing all shots. So it's, <laughs> so it's interesting to see what's going to happen to me. You know, being like uh, 5'10 and 150 pounds, versus uh, my tolerance in last year. So it'll be, it'll be interesting. Most, most of my weight losses in the last three months, all I had to do was uh, not eat bread and grain products and uh, cut out dessert for three months and that's it. Just for three months? Yeah, that's it. It's magic, magic formula. That's a good magic formula. <laughs> yeah, it's very simple. And I just eat really tasty food, just not bread and grain products and desserts. Nice. Yeah. When is breaking the rules okay? Well, the rules that you break, uh, if it's, if it's uh, say, like the law, that's something that you don't break. You know, it's something that society is determined in the best interest of the community and standards. Uh, the rules, when you do break them, let's say that you set a rule for your company or a personal rule, and you realize that that rule is not going to help you in your best interests, then you got to change the rules, make new rules. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of that will be there. For example, if I set a rule that um, you're not allowed to uh, talk to competitors and do business with competitors, that's a rule that we've set for over a decade of our company. And uh, Owen has definitely broken that rule many times and met with our competitors and built relationships with them. And I think a reason why that rule was originally set was because when we originally created this industry, we didn't want a situation where we were building the industry and just giving away all of our intellectual property and, and power. Our situation now is we're actually considering actually partnering with every competitor or helping competitors and helping build the community and our industry together. That was originally a vision I had, but we changed our policy because a lot of people stole uh, emails and customers, people that we've invested a time and money for. Because people will look at our company and they'll think, that a lot of the business is built just from instructors, but a lot of it's built from this machine, a machine of people like yourself who are behind the scenes working on videos, marketing, sales, customer service, that kind of stuff, or refinance. And uh, 
to have those people uh, have their resources just given away. It's not cool and we didn't like that. But now we're in a situation where we're so much larger than the next person, competition isn't really an issue. Other than that, there's other rules that we changed. Like say, hey, the reimbursement policy for flights or sales or marketing is a certain way. We'll change it if the economy changes or numbers change. Um, I guess when I look at uh, the rules, rules are, they change over time and they're, they're based on the present situation. And as a business owner, one of the challenges I face is to continually update the processes, operations, so that the rules change right. And they're, they're broken by people because they know they're doing it right. I mean, if you look at, uh, say, the military, for example, I love doing military examples. The uh, military has a, a rule where you are not supposed to um, disobey a commanding officer. But you can if uh, certain things are met, for example, if that commanding officer is doing something illegal is going to hurt overall the mission or stuff like that. Uh, sometimes you can get away with that and sometimes you're not going to get in trouble. Um, at the same time, if I, I said originally that there's all these laws and laws change too. I mean, there's some laws out here that are, are crazy. I think um, in, the, in the past it was uh, illegal to have sex uh, unless you're married. And a lot of people started violating that law and then things changed. <laughs> uh, so I, I guess uh, the issue is really just times change and uh, you know, the advantage that you face is if you are one of the lawmakers, like as a CEO of a company, you can change uh, your business laws or if you're a politician. Right. Um, uh, but uh, I, I think outside the box a lot and the, the goal is not necessarily to break the laws because you don't want to do that, but you want to see if you can play within the laws and still accomplish the goal. And that's why uh, it's called fair play. If you look at sports, you want to play within the rules and win because that way you're on even fair, fair playing ground. You know, I mean, um, and I prefer that. I mean, even when Owen and I were creating our business infrastructure, Owen um, wanted to create um, a business that had all of his goals met. And I said, I want my goals met as well but I wanted to be an even playing ground. So I hired an attorney for Owen, an attorney for me, and an attorney for the company to make sure that he was properly represented because I wanted it to be fair. Because I believe in life, uh, the most important thing is to make sure that when you act, you're acting fairly because life is very short and uh, you want to make sure that uh, you can look back on your experience in life and know that you've made the right moves. Good. Okay, um, where am I? <laughs> Okay, how sneaky were you when you were younger? Well, one of the things that I did when I was a kid was um, my parents would go out of town and I'd stay at my uh, grandmother's house. And uh, I would sneak out the window and uh, go out to the bars and clubs at night. <laughs> I also would um, get my skateboard and uh, go to the next door city about an hour and a half away and skateboard and I would uh, tell my parents I would go biking, uh, and I would bike um, several miles away to uh, neighboring cities just to explore. So I was always uh, trying to uh, explore as a, a young adventurer and try to see things uh, that were uh, not necessarily uh, things my parents wanted me to see. I mean, in the middle of the night, I remember uh, my first Metallica concert. I basically spent all night long counting pennies I saved up to uh, get money to go to a Metallica concert. And I bought uh, $36 tickets to go see Metallica with pennies. <laughs> and the plas every plastic bag was a dollar. 
That's a lot of pennies. Yeah. And uh, uh, then my parents found out I was going to a heavy metal concert, became very mad. But <laughs> my parents always they would support me even if I did things that they didn't want me to do. Another thing I did was when I was 12, I would go to a bar. I was passing out flyers for a local bar called the Cattle Club, where you would see Corn, Deftones, Bush, all these famous bands that are famous today. But back then, they were playing $5 concerts. And in order to hang out in the bar, I convinced the owner that I was gonna help with the marketing. So I took my, my bike, passed out flyers to all the different Tower Records, and I would uh, get access to the bar and hang out backstage. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, and everyone thought I was in college. And I didn't have, uh, I was a 12 year old hanging out in a bar, you know. Uh, and uh, it was interesting because back then, although weed wasn't legal, everyone was smoking weed. I wasn't, but the whole place smelled like weed. So every day I came home, I smelled like weed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> okay. Uh, what's the first thing you do when you wake up? The first thing that I do is go over my financial analysis for my business. Um, I'll uh, go over my bank accounts, my uh, cart, my, my uh, numbers. Um, cash forecast statements and stuff like that, just so I can predict the, the health of the company. Um, roll out of bed and I check everything on my phone. I usually sit on my couch, turn on the TV, um, and just go through numbers. What do you want out of life? Well, I've wanted to create a successful company for a long time, and we created one. I just want to continue to grow. I want to have a, a happy relationship with my wife and a happy family life, help my friends and family. Um, I like the idea of uh, finishing goals I've already started. One of them is uh, a random goal of trying to master golf, putting 10,000 hours into it just because it's supposed to be the most difficult thing you can do. And then try to master that uh, as someone in their 30s is something that I thought would be kind of cool. I was starting in my 30s. I don't think I'll be able to do it for many, many years. <laughs> when you were young, did you ever think you'll make it this far? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that uh, because I was the oldest son in my family, and also the, the um, my grandparents told me continually when I was growing up, because I was the oldest son, I'd be the future leader of my family. So I felt that um, I would have to be the most successful in terms of business and financially. And um, I'm working on that still. You know, my father is very successful, and so my my goal is to uh, keep pushing forward and do well for my family. I also think that uh, I always wanted to have a good family life as well. I came from a good family and so uh, due to the fact that most of uh, the people in my family come from good uh, relationships between the husbands and wives, I've had uh, good role models. Okay. Did you have any doubts? And if so, what did you, um, what did you do to overcome? Well, you, you have many situations in RSD's history where there's been doubts about the survival of the company, like when the recession came, or Julian Gate, or all these people threatened us. Uh, and Tyler and I have had fights on the brink of success and the brink of failure, where we didn't know we were gonna continue the company or not, and I always would push forward. They'd organize and restructure things to make sure things were successful. Uh, we created a company where it's a very complex, big system. You know, we could both make it on our own in a much smaller way, but Together, we're much stronger. We could accomplish and influence a lot more people. You know what time it is? No. 
<laughs> He's been saying it's been pretty smooth lately. It's hidden in there. <laughs> yeah. So where are we on now? We're doing a bay breeze. Cheers. <laughs> Interesting. Tastes like a, a fruity flavor of coffee. <laughs> My cat Jack is uh, eagerly looking at us. He's been watching this whole time. Yeah. <laughs> I think he wants a shot. <laughs> <laughs> we might have to get some cat wine. Next question. Are you buzz yet? Definitely. <laughs> okay, me too. <laughs> All right. Um, what's the most embarrassing thing you ever done on stage? When I was in high school, I uh, joined a play where my goal was just to do one scene, which was I was supposed to walk into a Christmas tree while looking at a beautiful girl. And then, uh, what I had to do, because that was my one role, and I had to practice that scene dozens of times, if not over a hundred times in rehearsal. And considering that was my only role, that was really embarrassing. And then every time I did it, everyone would laugh. But I had to do it again and again and again. Right. Yeah. Okay. What are your top three books you recommend for everybody to read? Seven Habits of Highly Effective People is my default book because it changed my outlook about how to maintain balance in life. Um, it was about being balanced and focused on principles as opposed to being overly focused on, say, sex or money or work. Um, a second book that I think has been really influential is just reading books of people that are really successful in life in general. The uh, first one I read was about the DuPont family. It was about um, how they became successful in business. I think that any autobiography, because a lot of people nowadays would rather read about Elon Musk or Richard Branson or uh, a famous uh, person like Tony Shea, but reading autobiographies about where people came from, it's kind of cool to see that we all come from the same place. It's just that they made certain decisions. It wasn't about working harder or putting more time. It's just about processes they did. Um, the third thing I've found really viable for me personally has been business success books, but if it was something that was for everyone, regardless of whether they're in business or not, one of the things I felt, felt was useful was for me to understand framing and reframing ideas, looking at negatives and turning them into positives. There was a guy who wrote a book called uh, Psycho-Cybernetics by John Maxwell, and I thought that was a really good book to understand just the basic concepts. I don't, although I don't teach or fully believe in the language patterns of NLP, I believe that one thing I like from that world of neuro-linguistic programming is the idea of looking at a situation and as opposed to looking at the glass half empty, looking at half full, and you, you could use that principle for pretty much everything in your life and reframe the situation to mean something else. Do you ever force yourself to learn something you didn't like to do? Yeah, all the time. I mean, there's a lot of things that I never thought I'd want to learn, like studying law or studying finance or studying business. 
uh, or computer programming, those things that are hard, that are not just purely fun. Everyone would be cool with uh, learning how to uh, improve their dating life or teaching it or uh, playing with the video games or playing with kids or doing sports and, and, and doing it professionally. But those things that people think suck, to find pleasure in that and the intellectual stimulation and challenges around that, that's, in the, that's the next level stuff. And the funny thing is, once you dive into anything, uh, once you get a certain level of mastery, it becomes a game and it becomes fun. And also those things that are more tough will help society more often because you're doing those things that most people don't want to do. And I think that's where a lot of success comes from. And all my success comes from doing those roles and responsibilities in business that no one else wants to do because it's too hard. There's too many people that dislike the work. And also there's a lot of risk, a lot of failure, and a lot of judgment, and you have to be able to face that. Okay, this relates to this question as well. What advice can you give for someone that's trying to learn something they don't, they're not interested in? Well, the, the, the question is interesting because it's better to learn things that you are interested in right, yeah. and you're passionate <laughs> in it because then you'll want to do it and then your work will be more fun. Of course. The, 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 the key is really not the question of doing something you don't want to do, but why you'd want to do it. You don't want to do things, don't do them. But if why would you want to do those things you don't want to do? I mean, is it you don't want to take out the trash, but you know your house will smell better? Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you don't want to work, but you know you make more money. What is the end goal? And focusing on the means and uh, why those means will accomplish the ends. Uh, I think that the, the other thing I'd like is that Machiavellian idea of becoming a Renaissance person someone who has mastered all sorts of things. Uh, and getting that wide variety of experience, because those things that you don't think you want to do, you might actually enjoy. It's just that you haven't really spent enough time doing it or have tried it, or tried it at least with someone who has the passion for it. So I think that if you're doing something, for example, like a sport, and you're with a guy who's really passionate about it, you might see and understand why he's passionate about it. Now, if you do things, the same sport, but someone who hates it, you might understand why you don't like the sport. So I think that one of the easy ways to find passion for those things you don't like is find out why people are passionate about it. It'll also allow you to have a better conversation and relate better to those people that have such passions. And that'll allow you to be a better conversation with some more people. I like the idea of being able to talk to anyone and uh, have the ability to relate with them somehow. And so I try to find out what that is. I had an old friend of mine who said, if you want to be interesting, you need to be interested in that person. And so uh, finding out from those people in, in relationship what they're passionate about and find the passions and how that can relate to you. If you really want to be good in a relationship, a friendship, business relationship, or a personal relationship, uh, one of the aspects of it is to be interested in what they're interested in and to find out how to do that. I'm a little buzz. <laughs> uh, okay, what's your favorite thing to do when you're drunk? Eat. <laughs> yeah, I think that's everybody. Me too. <laughs> okay, uh, shot time. <laughs> Is it final shot? Um, no. Last <laughs> <laughs> shot. 
I think you and your boyfriend just want to watch me get drunk. I think it's mainly me because I've never <laughs> seen you drunk before. <laughs> All, right. All right, here we go. <laughs> Cheers. Yes. <laughs> Very similar to the last one. Yeah, a little bit, just different. I used gin last time. <laughs> okay. Um, we're almost done, I swear. What's the one thing that annoys you the most? The one thing that I always tell everyone annoys me the most is dumb people. I, I don't like how um, the educational system of America has failed so many people that they yeah. just are really, really dumb. The other thing is, I think that the educational system in America fails a lot of people because they don't show how everyone has potential. People believe that they're dumb and they just don't put in the effort. And also the, the parents also don't give confidence to the kids that they can improve. Um, the ignorance uh, annoys me more than anything else. It isn't necessarily that they're stupid intellectually, it's just that they're ignorant, they're naive, and that there's so much out there that everyone can learn, especially in this web 3.0 or whatever it is, a day and age or anything is online for anyone to learn. What life skills are rarely taught but extremely useful? I think that the biggest life skill that people could learn is to how to learn, you know. Uh, you know, the fact that everything's on the internet, you can look at things on YouTube, they could go to school, they could get mentors, they could be coachable. I think a lot of people is, the biggest skill that people have to have is to learn how to be coachable. Because if you're not willing to learn, and you believe you know it all, that's a problem. I remember when I first met someone, uh, a person, uh, thought they knew everything they, they did about business, but only had a failed business. And then went to business school and started learning to become a successful entrepreneur. Um, but it took a lot of effort to convince that person that a person actually needed to learn because that person thought they knew it all. Right. If you were to create an app, what would it be? I have an app idea to create uh, Tinder meets Pokemon Go. What? <laughs> and uh, the idea is that I'm going to I have a programmer already working on this. But the idea is that you swipe right, and the other person swipes right, and you have to meet them at a Pokemon Go station. Oh. In 15 minutes, or else you will lose that person forever. That's smart. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> What's the last thing you Googled on your phone? Uh, it was probably a, a, a legal issue. A legal I've been doing issue. a lot of legal, legal yeah. research. Um, but I could uh, double check right now. <laughs> Let's see. Let's see if he's not lying, you guys. <laughs> yeah. Oh. The last thing that I Googled was actually for an uh, investigative services company because I have to serve subpoenas to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> what is your obsession? Hmm. Well, I would say that um, one of the things I'm obsessed with is RSD. 
and uh, building the company to help as many people as possible. What's the funniest thing that has happened to you recently? I made um, a really funny video with a series of pictures of my cats wrestling with each other. <laughs> and they both look the same, so it's hard to tell which, which one is which. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have a problem sometimes. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. Um, it is drink time. All right, salute. Cheers. <laughs> Tastes like Christmas candy. Yeah. <laughs> smells like it too. It's the almond, at least I don't know. <laughs> cool, that's pretty good. Yeah, that was really good. Thank you. Okay. Mm. When you're pursuing your dreams, but you're broke, what are your tips on saving money? So I've been broke many times. I was uh, so broke that one time I was living in my car. It's hard to save money when you don't have any money to make ends meet. The, yeah. the first thing you gotta do is get on top of your life. Savings is um, really just you cutting back and trying to minimize your expenses. And it's a challenge. Um, but when you can do that successfully, it's uh, great because it'll help you in, your, in the future in a big way. Um, there was a book um, the many books I've read actually about uh, how the, the most, uh, the average rich person is an average person making an average income, just saving more money, not spending on affluent things. In a previous video, you said uh, your superpower of choice was to live forever. <laughs> what if you were given a choice between instant learning, as in you glance at a book and you memorize all its content, <laughs> Or the power of never sleeping, always energetic, you know, something like that. Interesting. That's, those, are, those are both very cool superpowers. I like those superpowers. <laughs> I, would, I, would, I would more likely choose the uh, never sleeping idea. I, I've always felt like if you could stay awake longer, you do more things, but it's never sleeping and still being alert. To be able to read something, just get it right away. I think that humans are not that far off from it. It's just remembering it, recalling it. Um, but having more time to experience life, field experience is king, and so I, I value that the most. I had a feeling you were going to pick that one. <laughs> okay, last question. Who's your favorite RSD instructor? Tyler. Tyler, yeah. yeah anyway. The guy is uh, a genius when it comes in terms of uh, breaking down social interactions or breaking down, it, like Neo in the Matrix. You can just see things and he sees it in a very different way. Every instructor that's ever worked for us is inspired by and has learned from Tyler and basically he makes every single instructor. Yeah. So without Tyler, every other instructor just doesn't exist. Exactly. Yeah. Nice, okay. I have one last drink for you, and this one's not a shot. <laughs> All right. This one's, I actually, especially for you. So I was told that you like mafia movies, like Scarface, Godfather, movies like that. Sure. So this drink is called The Godfather. <laughs> <laughs> it's just this Arono with some scotch. Oh wait, me too.
I feel safe that you're drinking this while I'm drinking this. It's okay. Yeah. We're both gonna be on the same level. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers, it's been a pleasure. That's a powerful. This is very good. <laughs> whiskey disarono shot. <laughs> yeah. Woo! <sighs> Tasty. Tastes like almond uh, jello. Yeah. <laughs> good job. Yes. Good times. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. I'm Nick Coe and I want to share with you how my team and I built Real Social Dynamics into the world's largest dating coaching company while traveling to over 100 countries and I got engaged my wife on my 100th country. I learned a ton from you and from the rest of the hundreds of thousands of clients from the 1,000 plus RSD Live programs taught every year in addition to the millions who follow RSD online. So subscribe to my channel and let me help you make your dreams come true. I'd like to help you create the mindsets, relationships, and networks of amazing people to transform you into a true hustler. Let me share with you my personal global masterminding group of the best business superstars. On this channel, you will get access to my two core shows. First, I want to share with you interviews with best-selling authors, millionaire and billionaire entrepreneurs, YouTube celebrities, and RSD's best talent, so you can go behind the scenes and learn from countless years of field experience to cut years off your learning curve. Second, I want to share with you my own intimate stories, field reports, and business intelligence so you can personally get to know me better and discover how you can craft an amazing life. So please subscribe to my channel and you'll get a ton of value from subscribing. Cheers.